Welcome to the Straight Out of Home Video Podcast, part of the Geeky Waffle Network. Today we're talking about Monsters That Work, a computer animated streaming television series on Disney Plus, a midquel to the Monster Inc. movie. It's a sequel. No, Arzu. It's a sequel prequel. <gasps> sequel prequel. I'm Candace. And that was Arzu disagreeing with me. Because I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and Own we it. have fellow waffle Hope on too. Hey Hope. Am I officially a fellow waffle and not a guest you waffle? Are? No, you're you a have waffle. A, you have a blurb on our site. You're a waffle. Oh my god. I just thought I was so like honorary. Aw. So Hope actually messaged me and was like, are y'all covering this? And I'm like, we can because I have been watching this. I didn't even know week. you were watching it when you, when I messaged you. And I was like, why have we not been talking about this every week? I, I didn't see anybody else talking about it because Monsters, Inc. is like one of my comfort movies. Me like too. When, yes. When the pandemic started, like put that on. I even like Monsters University. I know people don't like that one. I, but I love Monsters University. See, <laughs> yes. Monsters University came out like the like a few months before I graduated college. So it was back this weird like place in my life anyway. So I was just like, I'm back graduating, but I love this too. It was, it was kind of like hitting Toy Story 3 going into college. As I was correcting Arzu, because actually I found this on Wikipedia and I was like, what? It is considered to be a mequel because there's an epilogue to Monsters, Inc. Where we see like Sully walking down the Laugh Factory and seeing, you know, everything going okay. And mm -hmm. this is a series about what happens right after Water Noose is like taken to jail because he's like, kidnapping children that's his yep. plan he's the ceo of monsters inc and rose R ross comes in and is like sully oh my god and mike mike was Wazowski. <laughs> you're in charge now and they're trying to do laugh power but really our main character is tyler yeah tyler Tuskman. thank you tyler oh. Tuskman. i love him <laughs> Yes, and he had just graduated from Scream Academy, the same university that Sully was supposed to like graduate from. And the thing is, as someone who's not quite in a job that's related to like their field of study, feel for him. Like that hit way yeah. too close to home. My first year, I was at MassCom Magazine writer concentration, and luckily. I had like professors who were realists and were like, yeah, magazines are dead. You might want to change that. <laughs> yeah. So oh, this guy. My professors did not do that. They were like, welcome oh. to this useless theory program. Oh my God. I can't say anything. I'm a theater major in my very last semester. I was like, this isn't for me, but at least let's graduate. I actually want to ask you guys both a question. Like, what is it about Monsters Inc. and Monsters, like this Monsters University you guys love which actually pulled you pulled you into the show. I feel like it's Sully and Mike's like friendship is a big part of both of the movies. And it's just a colorful world that's full of puns and just colorful characters. I was gonna say for me, I think it's all nostalgia. Like Monsters Inc. was I was like 12 when that came out. So just watching that with my cousins a lot. And then Monsters University came out right after I finished college, like working for Disney at the time at the Disney store and just the huge promotional push we put out for monsters university it was way disproportionate to the way the movie ended up performing there was just so much stuff 
we like all pledged like fraternities and sororities and we would all wear little pins to work and that's awesome and we had all of these little like plush like of every fraternity sorority character in that movie it was like such a disproportionate ad campaign but it was so much fun that i just have such a fondness for that movie because of of my memories surrounding it so then a continuation of monsters in this form i was like yeah because i just i'm so attached to this universe now the universe is like my big love too because like monsters inc is it's not the most like groundbreaking story but the world is so creative it's such an interesting fascinating world to take this like idea of like scary monsters but they're just like normal everyday people and i always loved the character designs and i love the idea of just being able to step into the human world and like i did fall down the uh, whole pixar theory of like the witch from brave was actually boo or whatever like i fell down <laughs> that rabbit hole for like six months um, but I just, I've always loved this world and I love the characters so much. And so when I saw that there was a TV show, I was like, yes, let's go back here. And I, I was not expecting to love the TV show as much as I thought I would, because I like that it's not fully the Mike and Sully show. I think that's very smart of them. And I fell in love with the Mif team, man. The Mifters are so great. And I love them all so much. And they're precious babies. <laughs> so we're 90s kids. And we grew up with like when there's TV spinoffs, like the Aladdin TV show, which mm-hmm. quality was questionable. I can't say anything. I was a tsunami kid. <laughs> and I'm just thinking again, we think back to Return of Jafar thing that whole, like inspired this podcast, actually. <laughs> it's just like if you you can't compare that to this. It reminds me like of the Tangled series. Did mm-hmm. either of you guys watch that? I, I watched the it. first season. Yeah. It yeah. became hard just, to get where in Switzerland, so we had to stop mm-hmm. when we couldn't find it anymore. But the qualities there, the writing, the animation, the voice acting, everything's there. It doesn't feel like a second-rate version of something you love, like the other stuff did. The fact that Monsters, um, Monsters at Work has almost the the full voice cast from the movie is coming back. I think the only person that they're missing is I have names pulled up. Um, I think the only person that they're missing is Daniel, Daniel Gerson. And that's only just because he passed away uh, before they could uh, have him back. So Stephen Stanton fill, filled in for that. What role did he play? Uh, Needleman and Smitty, like the two janitor slug guys. Oh, okay. um, yeah. So the- Billy Crystal's back. John Goodman. These are like icons. Bonnie Hunt, Jennifer Tilly, like everybody, like the entire voice cast came back and to join like the new characters. And I think that is so smart to actually focus on new characters too, because I feel like the Mike and Sully like show while I love them would have gotten old really fast. So I liked this other group of main characters to kind of go through. And and as you were saying, Tyler's a very relatable character. Yes. So Myth is the Monsters Inc. Oh gosh. Facilities team? Yes, that's what it is. Myth. And Tyler comes in his first day. Spoiler alert, by the way. Spoiler alert. But yeah, Tyler comes in. He's like, I'm going to be a scarer. But it's like the day after everything changes. Look, as people who started college in and around the recession, I think everybody felt this. Yes, yes. That's exactly it. Yeah. So he goes in and he can't be a screamer. He can't be a jokester is what they're calling the monsters who make kids laugh. So he gets sent to Mift because his parents own a hardware store. I forgot about and the hardware store. <laughs> yeah, he meets uh, the gang of characters, which includes Mindy Kaling as Val Little, who was acquaintance from Monsters University. And I just love how she's like, 
I didn't stay in college. It was really expensive. So I left and look, we're at the same place now. You know, like you got a four-year expensive degree. There are so many good jokes in that. that I feel like kids won't appreciate till they're older. Like my, like her joke about yes, anding her way through improv school and it being very expensive, like made me die for like five minutes. You know, uh, uh, Val was actually supposed to be voiced by Kelly Marie Tran. Um, I did know that. Yeah, I found that out tonight because I Googled it and I was like, why is Kelly popping up on all these not Mindy? And I was like, oh. Yeah. I, I was what so confused. Then. I'm like, it's funny. Kelly sounds so much like Mindy. And then I saw the credits. I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> yeah. Because I didn't realize that that had switched until after I started watching. Probably something with Raya came up. Or, that makes know. sense. Or just COVID. I feel like that's got to be well, it. Yeah, she, she stepped into the role of Raya after somebody else left the production. So probably. And. Henry Winkler, who's the Fonz, as everyone knows, actually plays like the boss, Fritz. I love him. He's just so good. <laughs> I I love Fritz so much because he's he actually reminds me of my boss of at that one workplace I had who was a really great dad figure, not the greatest boss, but he was really good at being a dad. <laughs> and he just reminded me so much of that. And I just I like how surprisingly capable Myth is. Like, you know, they seem like they're the misfits, but they're actually all very good at their jobs, especially like Cutter. Um, I'm not, I'm still not sure what Duncan does <laughs> after 10 episodes. Duncan but has I, a I, lot of ambition. That's what he I, does. Duncan's job is ambition. Yeah. But everyone's always worked with somebody like that, like where they're just like, oh, we're rivals. And it's like, I'm just here to get paid. <laughs> Please stop. I don't yeah. Speaking of voice actors, someone I was really surprised was in this was Gabriel Iglesias plays Gary. Mm-hmm. I had no clue until I saw the credit because I just know his stand up voice, you know? Yeah. Remind me which one Gary is. He's the Mike Wazowski, the blue oh, Mike Wazowski. Oh, yeah, the other. Oh, damn. Oh, my God. Yeah. The blue Mike Wazowski. Mike's work enemies like Roz's and. Oh, we get Rose, which is Roz's sister, quote, sister. How much do you guys want to bet that that's just Roz going back and forth? Or do you really see there's two of them? No, I think it, I think they're awake, like Mike says. He's like, I've never seen you, like, in the same room. <laughs> All this kind of stuff. I go back and forth on that because I, I just kept getting reminded me of that, like, John Oliver joke that there's only one Olsen twin. They're just moving really fast. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to think, like, what did you guys think about the the characters' uh, stories overall, though? Like, because, or, or just, like, the story overall. Do you think it uh, warranted, like, a midquel? I feel like we're using the word midquel very loosely. If the only thing that puts it as a midquel is the one-minute tag at the end of Monsters, Inc. Yeah, I feel like that true. is a very loose definition of a midquel. It's interesting to just see how they go from that. And honestly, I think another reason I really like this is because I'm a big fan of the Disney World Magic Kingdom um, show Monsters like Laugh Factory in Tomorrowland, which is just an adorable show where they have like actors with the camera, but like this, the CGI works with their faces. It's like the turtle crush asking crush a question. So like they interact with the audience and stuff like that. And they can accept jokes. You text in. So like Roz is there. Mike's there. It's a really cute show. And it's called Laughback. Oh, that's so cute. I like it as a concept, like the continuation of the story, just because 
as much as I love Monsters University so, so, so much, like that is the natural question, you know, it's like, okay, you've overhauled the entire economy of this city. Now what? So I do yeah. like that the, they put it in this format, like on Disney Plus, feels like a very natural fit for it. And just like, mm-hmm. it's not something that you can address in two hours with one central antagonist. It's just a longer question of now what? So and I think honestly, this is a good format for it. A- after Monsters University and you see all those monsters really wanting to be scarers. But you know, at the end of Monsters, Inc., there's no use for scarers anymore. You do wonder. Yeah. And actually, to go off something that Arzu was saying, I like that there's really no antagonists. Like, there's no, like, randals running around mm-hmm. being villains or anything. It's just a story about adjusting to light and to changes in life. And how how do these people rise to that occasion? I, I thought that was a really fun kind of look that there's really no bad guy it's just them learning to rely on their own abilities and figuring stuff out on their own in this very fast changing environment where it's the world that pretty much the world is their antagonist of them trying to figure stuff out. And I, I thought that was really cool that there's no like mustache twirling evil bad guy. Yeah, like not to make it too light, but maybe the bad guys are the friends we made along the way. Like sometimes <laughs> sometimes the antagonist in your day is that person at work who takes their job way too seriously and sometimes you are your own antagonist and like it changes Some, every day right yeah the antagonist yeah. is really adaptation and like going with the changes and like i think we've all worked in like in an industry that's changing mm-hmm. and like especially with like journalism and marketing and things like that we were there when like social media really took off and that like absolutely changed everything at least for me like I was in college when like podcasting started and we started a podcast and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and in like 2007 or so kids today see the 90s as like 50 years ago yeah it's because that's how big a change it is Mm mm-hmm and like we occupy that weird in between space too, because we yeah. we had sort dialogue. of have memories of like a pre technological yeah. life, I, but then we were teenagers when all this picked up, or like early college. My, so my we came of only, age on the internet, kind of thing. So my yeah. sister's only five years older than me, and she she missed that boat. Like she's in that special group of like very early millennials that have their own like pocket subculture, to where like they didn't grow up with like learning internet in school, but I did only five years behind her. Like, it's, it's mm-hmm. that small of a gap. So, I mean, yeah, I, I totally get that too. I mean, I, I worked retail in a mall for 15 years and watched just a mall disintegrate into pretty much nothing over the course of 15 years, um, working yeah. various jobs. And it's, yeah. it's interesting. And I think that's why I found this so relatable because in a lot of ways, like, those changes can be scary. And I adaptation really is the protagonist or the antagonist of this. And it really added so much to Tyler's journey too, because he didn't want to be a part of myth. And that's so much of his journey was learning to accept this new life in his role. And actually part of the reason why I have issues with the final episode. Um, I felt like it went against everything that the series was building. to. <laughs> wow. We got like deep into like monsters. At work. Want, that's that's a really good arc. Deep. It's good deep art brings it out of you. Deep. It makes you think about these things. I mean, and it might not seem like it's that deep, but they really do address a lot of things in this that feels very timely right now. I mean, we're still in the middle of a dumb, dumb pandemic with people having to like rotate and lose jobs and 
having to be in positions they might not feel like they need to be, but they're in the situation where they can't control it. And it's how to figure out what best to do that. And that's exactly what Tyler is doing. That makes him super relatable. Yeah, I graduated. The recession was still going on. I took whatever job I could because I, I needed money. I needed to live. I needed to survive. I needed to do something. So yeah, totally feel for him. Okay, just want to say the animation and this is better than the original Monsters, Inc. movie. Like the textures, the hair, it's incredible. I love Val's love. hair. <laughs> yes. How insane. They have like a CGI person just for hair. Like it's like someone's job for hair. It's the difference 20 years makes to computers. Yeah, yeah. amazing. Do we want to talk final episode? Yeah. I do. Okay. Hope, let's, spoiler alert for the final episode of Monsters, Inc. Just watch the show, y'all. And plus, it's not like a show that has twists and turns. The thing about the show is, and, and this is all hope opinion, I should say. I felt like it was really tr- telling the story of what happens when things in life don't work out the way you think. And so Tyler comes wanting to be a scarer. And of course, everything changes. And the whole season is built around him being accepted into myth and like learning how to be a mechanic and like learning these skills, these new skills that he's worked so hard to get. And it's about him accepting this like new role in life, these people who love and accept him and will help him. And then you get to the last episode and he's just magically a jokester because of one day. And he throws, I felt like that threw so much of his character arc away where he, and it, it just felt odd because I, I I felt like the story was trying to tell the story of like, this is how you find a new dream and you make the best of these rough situations. And he actually found himself in a happy, healthy place with people that he loved. And then when he became a jokester at the end, I thought he was going to be like a substitute jokester or like maybe help out for that one day. And then at the end, just be like, but I'm a mifter. Like, this is where I belong. And I'm happy to help you out when you need me to. And I'm happy to be here. But this is my family. This is my space. And and no, like both him and Val walk away from Myth to do this like new life. And Val took me a little off guard because it made sense that she would want to help him. But I don't know. I just... I, I wasn't a fan of the end because I felt like Tyler's whole story was building to be about finding a new place with a new dream with, but in making the best of the situation and finding that he belonged there more than he belonged with being a jokester. I, I, just, I didn't, I wasn't a fan of the ending. That was but, really bugged me. But he adapted. He was trained to be a scarer. He changed. He worked hard. To be to become be a, a mifter. To no, also to be become a, a mifter. Okay, but honestly, he wasn't a good mifter. Like, the vending machine episode is like episode six or seven, and he was still destroying things. And I believe it's even episode um, nine. Val is like, you're a great, you're a great mifter. And he's like, I loosened a nut. That's all he's done, really, he says. But wasn't the whole point of the David episode of like, it's, is that he finally accepted that this was his role. And he was like, I am a good mifter. Like, this is the place I need to be. And he wanted to make things right to prove that he could be a good mifter because he wanted to be there. And, and, and he was the one that came up, was it, was he the one that came up with the bigger caster idea? Yeah. He like, did. Uh, but he didn't. And that's the thing. Very creative, which you need in a jokes. But my whole thing with it is that he was giving up. He gave up constantly. I didn't see it that way. That's why. But the thing is, at the end, with Val working there, and then the Mifters also coming up, 
to the Laugh Factory, I felt like they were going to be more intertwined and less separated okay. from the rest of Monsters, Inc. But they were never fully separated because they always relied on the Mifters. <laughs> well, yeah, for like help and stuff like that. But I don't feel like they communicated much. Hear what you're saying. I don't fully agree. Okay. I, I didn't. Okay. I didn't get that from the episode. I don't know. It just felt. It just rubbed me be- weird because I just felt like it was going against the journey that he had, and maybe it was the Val like thrown too because it makes sense that Val would want to help him. Like that makes sense. That's not out of character for yeah. her. But like the fact that she was like, "I'm not walking away from Mister Two, and I'm like, "What? And you're both leaving? Like, what's going to happen?" I, I think I might have liked it if he was like, "I could be a substitute jokester, like fill in when you need me, um, Mister Mike Wazowski," but. This is where I need to be because this is my family. Um, but, I wouldn't mind if, if that if that was the compromised. But it is just a workplace and he has dreams. And Fritz was able to see that and was like, you were going to give it up, but you actually really want this. And Fritz was willing to let his him go. He wasn't quite happy there. So I guess I just interpret it differently because I feel like the last handful of episodes was about him finding his happiness there. Like he found it. And he figured out that that's where he wanted to be because when he when he had that moment of being like a jokester, he had to think about it like, do I really want to cross this line? I I, I, I interpret it differently. And that's fine. I think it was the reason he didn't want to cross the line was because of the friends he made, not because of the job itself. Like episode eight is the little monsters episode, and he's still trying to even after such um, a cute episode, by the way. <laughs> even after Miss Flint tells him like you can't audition anymore. He's still working, like trying to get in with her, you know, through Mm -hmm. her daughter, trying to make her laugh, you know? So like we get to episode nine and that's the David episode. But at that point he's told you can't audition anymore. Like your dream's dead. So I feel like that's him giving up. And then episode 10, he gets another chance and he is apprehensive about taking it. But I feel like it wasn't because of the mifter job. It was the mifter people. Something really cute in the series is Mike's uh, comedy classes. Oh, those are cute. End. One of them like made me laugh so hard I cried. Was like, it the whoopee cushion one? Yes, it was. I laughed so hard my cat ran out of the room. I was shocked that this show could actually like make me like laugh out loud. I wish that the show could make me laugh at a whoopee cushion. Yeah, I thought I was <laughs> over that. I'm a grown ass mm-hmm. woman. Was this renewed for a second season? That's interesting because. Henry Winkler said it is, but there's no other official confirmation. <laughs> At the end of all the credits, one of the characters will say something. It's like a little bonus. There's not like a, it's not a clip or anything. It's just a voiceover. And it was Fritz at the end going, is this getting a second season? You know? <laughs> so maybe I didn't that's know one. that. I always yeah, skip so the credits. I didn't know that. You know, I always listen to the credits because it's the, if I didn't have you song in different format. So like, I gotta go back and listen well, now. Yeah, I know, right? The vending machine one, they had like somebody playing a bagpipe for the funeral for the vending machine. So they have like, if I didn't have you, they have it played with a vending machine. Uh, not a vending machine, a bagpipe. RC, do you get a chance to watch Adorable Returns? Okay, Hope, we got to talk about the Star Wars reference. I need to hear the Star Wars reference. Okay, so do you remember the Bonneville Snowman? Yeah, Is it a Tauntaun reference? No. They pretty much redo the Hulk cave. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, sorry, Wampa, not Tonto. (laughs) Not the same thing. Yeah, the Wampa scene. Yeah, yeah. That'd be really, because pretty much a Tauntaun is a monster. That would be really gory if they, like, sliced open another monster to hide inside it. Tyler accidentally goes through his door, 
and he finds himself like hung up by his legs and he's reaching out for his rubber chicken like lucas with the force and i don't know why he's reaching out for the rubber chicken but he is and adorable's like yeah you passed out the blood needed to go to your head or something like that like why would you do that what was your uh favorite favorite moment i really liked mike with a baby which he nicknamed snore because he gave sully such a hard time about boo and then he he got attached to a kid that's interesting because that's actually my least favorite episode (gasps) Shock. It was one of those episodes that I, I felt thought it was fine. It, it was a good episode, but I just felt like everything else was better. So it's not there's nothing wrong with the episode. It's a good little episode, but I it was the one episode I was just like, eh. So But the cover up was like my favorite episode. <laughs> the episode is so good. It was so funny. <laughs> that one made me laugh. So that many entire, times. The fact that like Cutter was just like, we're hiding bodies, awesome. <laughs> And the eyes, all the eyes staring at everything. Oh, my God. Yeah. So the cover up is Fritz takes a vacation. And then, oh, my gosh, Duncan (laughs) ends up being in charge. And chaos reigns, of course. Of course. There's an accident. And then someone who, like, comes in to the inspector to check out what happened. And, yeah, just hijinks of trying to stop the inspector from finding out it was Myth's fault that something bad happened. And... (laughs) There are bodies being hid. <laughs> not dead <laughs> bodies, Arzu. Not dead bodies. It's <laughs> like, great. The way you said it's a chaos ensues. Duncan's in charge. They're hiding bodies. I'm like, what does Duncan do? <laughs> but it has that feel to it. Like, uh, like there's a moment where Tyler and uh, Duncan are standing there and they're just like, I think it's okay. Just shove it through a door. And nobody will know the difference. <laughs> like, it has that feeling to it. Like, that... That from start to finish is probably my favorite episode. But I, I think my favorite moment, though, was when Tyler, um, I, it was in the damaged room. And, like, Tyler finally has that breakthrough with Val. And he's like, I do remember you. Like, I remember being with you in, in school. Because, like, she she has that, like, connection with them. And they, they never lose that for the rest of the show. And I, I felt like that was such a early, very special moment um, to really kind of break Tyler through as well as a character. Um, that was a huge step forward for him as a person. And I really, really, like, that was probably my favorite moment of the show. And though now I'm thinking about them hiding bodies. That's so far up there, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that whole episode. Just sentiment, me up. hiding a body. <laughs> Contain multitudes. <laughs> that's how that's how you really bomb with people when you go and hide that body, you know? We should do that sometime, guys. <laughs> For legal reasons, this is a joke. <laughs> yes, disclaimer. Arcee's like, I'm not part of this body. It got a pretty good rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It's 65%, but it only had 23 critic reviews. Critics are and dumb. No, I honestly think they only saw like the first two episodes. And they didn't watch the whole series because I feel like it really picks up steam mm-hmm. after the first two. Like it has to lay a lot of groundwork out. I would agree with that. Yeah, because yeah. I it really started super clicking for me, episode three. And then episode five on was just solid. Yeah, definitely agree. I love the big Wazowskis, the bowling team nicknames. Scary. <laughs> The fact that Gary and Mike went on a uh, quote-unquote date to uh, to the to Harry Housens is great. I feel like this is more made for us than it is for kids. And like, yeah, there's stuff in kids, but I feel like this 
is playing to the nostalgia more that people like us would be wa- like watching this well a kid would just be like it's fine like i yeah, kids i would enjoy it yeah but like yeah inside jokes okay one joke i just want to bring up it's in the david episode and tyler loses the lock of his hair so he's trying to get hair that looks just like it pink he tries to cut rose's <laughs> hair and he just tells her, like, I need a lock of your hair because I lost David. This mifter who is definitely dead, but they're acting like he isn't because they're crazy over there. And he does all these things trying to get another lock of hair just to cover up his mistake. But the end of it, Rose is like, hands him a jar of hair. And he's like, your hair doesn't look cut. Where did you get this from? And she's like, wouldn't you like to know? And he's like holding it like, oh no, (laughs) it's so good. (laughs) Would kids get that joke? No, no, this is for the (laughs) grownups. Look, Disney has been doing this since time immemorial. There have always been jokes that the kids just do not. There is a sex joke in Aladdin 3. Like the kids are not going to get it, but the grownups will. Do you know what I mean? The earth doesn't shake till the honeymoon or whatever. Like that's not, that's not for nine-year-olds. I just, I really enjoyed it. I was actually so surprised how much I enjoyed it. Like I, I thought it was just going to be a fun romp and like, you know, I would have it on in the background and just, you know, like have some nostalgia, but I was surprised how so quickly invested I was with the characters and the story. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And I, I was taken by surprise. And like when I started watching it, like the first, I think like six episodes throughout and i like binged in two days like i would actually watch it before marvel what if because i wanted to see it more than i wanted to see the marvel what ifs it was a good palate cleanser for marvel what if yeah yeah marvel what if is dark honestly when this was announced i thought they were going to be like five minute three minute clips kind of like forky asks a question the toy story well shorts they do yeah but yeah this was like a series hope where can people find you Oh, oh, you can find me all over. I have a podcast called Hope Makes Scripts to Watch Cartoons. I have a Star Wars animation podcast called JGS and Jedi. Um, I, of course, uh, have been a waffle now. Yeah. <laughs> I've been writing for the Geeky Waffle. Um, I have a website called Geeky Girl Experience. Yeah, you can pretty much find me or at Hope Molinax on Twitter. You can find us at thegeekywaffle.com, where you can find all our podcasts, including Arzu's Space Waffles, Starbucks Lover, Taylor Swift Podcasts, our flagship show, The Geeky Waffle, and a fight club far, far away. You can find us on social media, geeky underscore waffle on Twitter, The Geeky Waffle on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Patreon. Join us for Waffles After Dark. Some syrupy episodes, y'all. Gets weird. Well, we hope you all have a happy ever after until your degree becomes meaningless.